0: Welcome to the platform journey where we explore what it takes to build a successful software platform company and get the ecosystem flywheel going. We will interview seasoned innovators who have traveled this road before and can help navigate the way and share their lessons. Thank you, everybody. We are here with another edition of the platform journey. Today, a really, really interesting company. The company's Visor. And I've got the CEO, Jen Wei Ho, also goes by JW, and Andrew Albert. So, Jen Wei is CEO, Andrew is a CTO. I'll ask introduce themselves and the company a little bit. Super excited to have you both here. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Avinish. Happy to be here. And yeah, please, my friends call me JW, so call me JW. Fantastic.
2: Andrew? Yeah, thanks for hosting us, Avanish. Really excited to share the Visor story and work with you again here on this podcast. Love it. Maybe JW,
0: start with you. Just describe a bit of the company itself, because like I said, it's a, I think it's a very unique story. And describe a bit of who you are, what you do, who you do it for, and a bit of the parentage, if that's a word, of the organization.
1: Yeah, you got it, Avanish. So I'm Jen Ho or JW. I'm the CEO of Visor. We are a field service platform founded in 2022 by Ford Motor Company and Salesforce to democratize digital transformation for highly skilled, scalable trades businesses. So think HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and landscaping, to name a few vocations. Prior to joining Visor, I was a general manager at Ford's Greenfield Labs, overseeing the ideation and incubation of new digital services for for Ford's customers. So a challenge we immediately identified was that a global labor shortage was about to significantly impact how communities, cities, and countries grew. I mean, in the United States alone, there were for trades vocations, the same commercial industries that Ford has served for over hundred years. We really anticipated this undersupply of over 3 million trade professionals by 2028. So Visor was founded from Ford's labs because we really saw this huge opportunity for us to solve for this shortage through digital transformation and really to ignite the growth of these critical industries again.
0: Awesome. Andrew, maybe a bit of your background, which is, again, amazing.
2: Yeah, sure. So I've been with Visor for nine months as their CTO, helping run product delivery and engineering, as well as the ecosystem strategy. But the majority of my career, I spent 16 plus years at Salesforce, and the majority of that was on the Exchange team, helping advise, mentor, educate, and architect the Salesforce ISV ecosystem applications on the platform. So I've been in and around the Salesforce ecosystem and platform pretty much from the beginning. And so it's just been an amazing nine-month journey to be on the other side of it, to be an ISV building on the Salesforce platform. So I've been in and around this space the majority of my career. Awesome. And again, always a pleasure to see you. So like I said, this is a fascinating story, right? This
0: is not your traditional ISV. You've got the genealogy of Ford Motor Company, one of the most recognized and lauded brands in history, working alongside Salesforce, to bring something pretty distinctive to the market. JW already started talking a bit about the market opportunity and so on. Let's dive into a bit of your platform strategy. Obviously, the choice of Salesforce and others. But how do you think about that? How did that come about? What was the motivation behind that to kind of get this off the ground?
1: Andrew, you want
2: to, where do we start with this? Yeah. There's so many layers to the use of the word platform in that question, Avanish. First, Visor, as a new company, had to decide what platform to build our core product and capabilities on top of. And there's lots of choices out there. Visor made this decision to partner and build on top of Salesforce's platform. Yes, for technical reasons, with their platform as a service and the core Salesforce platform will help. Visor build and get to market faster, but it also was heavily influenced by the go-to-market strategy. So the decision of what platform was a joint decision of technology decision as well as go-to-market. They have to be aligned. For Visor, the right choice was to partner with Salesforce to build on their platform. And that is how we were able to go from idea and concept to GA in approximately a year timeframe from idea to beta to GA. For our use case, for what we were trying to solve for, that was the right decision. That is how we and why we chose Salesforce to build our application on top of it. But the next phase and one of the early innings of this is making sure we architect our core app, which is purchasable, sellable, provisionable today, underneath the hood to design it as a platform so that it starts to become the visor platform to help us achieve our long-term goals. So right now we have a product that is sellable, one product, one license, one SKU. That's where we're getting started. But we have a strategy to become the single unifying business platform for the trades. And for us, that means to make sure when we're building on top of these infrastructure as a service or platform as a service, the layer we're building has to be a platform. That has to be extensible, consumable, composable. So we can keep delivering and innovating in our domain, our expertise and then lean on the partners in the ecosystem to provide the incredible and endless use cases that we're not going to be able to develop and innovate ourselves.
0: Yeah, and this is where, when we first started chatting, I've been a platform geek for some time, right? This is where kind of my mind kind of blew up as well because I think, one, it's brilliant. Two, I think leveraging an existing platform for time to market, as you were saying, for you know the services that you don't have to, replicate, but then having a vision of building your own platform on top of those other ones, that's pretty unique. So talk a bit about, obviously you described your focus as field service, JW, and talking about HVAC and trades and so on. What would your platform, what would the Visor platform look like? And what would that entail from your ecosystem to bring more value to those customers?
1: One thing to ground ourselves with the customers that we're targeting as we talk about HVAC and plumbing and landscaping is that I think many observers would define our customer segment as small businesses. However, we don't really think of our customers as small businesses. We see them as scalable businesses. And I think a lot of that spending countless hours in the field, it's thought as that really small businesses deal with a lot of the same problems as large businesses. But the difference is that large businesses get a plethora of tools at their disposal, whereas the smaller ones are completely underserved because those tools don't really serve and accommodate for like the tighter limitations around resourcing, right? Talent, time, capital, you name it. And I think what's unique about Visor is that we're providing this dedicated platform to unleash the potential for small businesses that really you get all the same things that you need, whether it's dispatching, scheduling, creating invoices, collecting payments, but you're doing it in a way that is this simplified interface where you're only bringing what you need and it's affordable and it's adoptable. But what's most important being a platform is that it's scalable because these smaller businesses will scale to larger businesses one day. And we want to make sure we have that platform that can grow with them as well. And that dimension doesn't just go on time and maturity and growth, but also we are trying to cover a range of field service industries. We've just named a few, right? HVAC, plumbing, electrical, but you can do pest control, locksmiths. We've got masonry. We've got cleaning there's some really interesting customers coming onto our platform and so that platform strategy is really key to serving everyone
0: yeah and what i love about that is that we've all had the passion for thinking big and the fact that these folks can scale and frankly some of them are probably multi-million dollar businesses we tend to think of them as small businesses so one they're multi-million dollar businesses and again, a definition that's not necessarily small small two i think the notion that digital transformation, which again we often talk about it from the large enterprise perspective, it applies to everybody. Yes. People have to think differently about how they serve their clients, how they manage you were talking about invoicing. Those things don't happen anymore ideally in a paper based US Postal Service invoice showing that right, God forbid. But how do you manage that? How do you tie it back to your accounts and your the services you're provided and so on? So I think it's just super smart to say, hey, this is what we do, but the customer actually needs a much more complete solution. So, Andrew, you mentioned this year, this is in the early innings still, but how do you figure out those gaps? We gave some examples, but how are you going about identifying what are those needs and what's that journey of your own ecosystem to fill it out from the point of view of your customers and your future customers
2: in terms of what we build versus where we partner and where the ecosystem there's two parts to it and i think in our first year we are getting clearer on our domain where our core differentiators are the core value prop of our core application today we were just talking about this last week around how do we deliver simplicity speed a frictionless professional experience for our customers to present themselves to their customers it's our scheduling. It's our mobile application. It's our work management capabilities, which includes payments. But when we're out there talking with the customers, they are like, that's great. I need more. I use QuickBooks for integration. I use this for inventory management. I use this for finance. I use this. And so the opportunity for us is to be that unifying force, that unifying experience. But no matter how big and fast we grow, we can only deliver so much. And we got to know who we are and deliver our core And expose our capabilities that make them extensible and consumable by third parties so we can solve those use cases through partnerships and third parties. Things like financing. Financing is now an API. You don't have to go somewhere and fill pen and paper. You can get financing as an API. So there should just be a little widget that any of our customers, if they need it, they just drag and drop and drop it right into the Visor application and they can provide end consumer financing. Inventory management. Yes, we use the words SMB, but it could be a multi-million-dollar business. They have to manage their inventory, make sure the technician, when they're going out to the homes and the communities, have the right tools and inventories and supplies on their vehicle. There's so much efficiency we can drive through that. So it's know who you are, know what your domain is, and then we on the partners. One of the things, Visor, we lead with partners. We were born out of a partnership. And we lead with partnerships. We're not doing this alone. We're starting to see the momentum, the acceleration that provides us versus thinking we can build this all on our own in-house. So first of all, the soundbite of
0: financing as an API, I don't think I've heard that one before. And I love it. I know exactly what you mean. It's kind of where the world is evolving towards, right? So that's terrific. Two, I think one of the things you both have alluded to, and this is one of the premises I've had and it's fantastic to hear practitioners like yourselves specifically talking about it, is a platform alone cannot achieve much, quite honestly. It's a platform plus the ecosystem. There are two sides of the coin. It sounds like just from the get-go, that is how you're thinking about the business and that mindset has to come from the C-suite. It has to come from the full leadership team. And the fact that you're executing on that is just pretty mind blowing. So love those examples in that story. Again, it is early in the journey, but as you think about the strategy and the focus, what are some of the key success factors or key indicators that you're keeping in mind to say yes, this is the right strategy, this is working or it's going to work? How do you think about that? What are what are some of the things you're keeping in mind for. Either one of do.
2: I think it, it always starts with the customer. When we're out in the field, if we are solving more and more of these customer capabilities through joint solutions, that's validation. They're not just using Visor. They're using Visor, right into a QuickBooks, and we are part of that solution. To me, that shows that we're on the right path, that we are the unifying force and we are bringing these best-of-breed innovation technologies in a simple, affordable way to the customers, it's when we show up with others. And if our customers are getting value, not just from Visor, but from our partnerships and the the solutions that are integrated and seamless experiences through our capabilities, to me, there's no better, clearer metric. There's probably KPIs and reports and dashboards we
1: can run in between. But to me, that's where the rubber meets the road. Andrew, I think you got it spot on. I was thinking about this in I think the customer is at the center of everything. I'd always expand on it and say, I think for us the success factor so far and it will continue to be this idea of maybe like deep and authentic collaboration with our customers, but also with our partnering platforms. And this extends just beyond the access to APIs and whatnot. Advisor, we refer to ourselves with this idea of high-tech meets high-touch for the highly skilled. So high-tech is us obviously working with the best platforms. High-skilled is our respectful way of how we refer to our customers, not blue-collared, I mean, have you ever tried to install like an HVAC system, but the recognition of the skills that we're trying to service for our customers and really our go-to-market reach, right? Because in this industry, Ford's pedigree and vast distribution ecosystems exist already and we've got that relationship. But what's really important is high touch. It's about where our customers want to take us. We're not just another Silicon Valley company in a labs. We're out in the field all the time. I just came back from a trip (laughs) this morning in front of customers. I think unifying platforms is one thing, but Providing an adoptable interface and a user experience is another. And I think whether that's Salesforce or Stripe or future partners to be announced, I think working closely with the customer and even our partners' design and product teams has been really unique to what makes VISA special. And we believe it really creates the best integrated user experience. And that's really important when we talk about this sort of customer-centric mindset that Andrew was really bringing up.
0: Yeah. And you alluded to this, but maybe one if you can talk about, what are those metrics? Are there metrics that you've already identified? Of course, there's a revenue dashboard, there's a retention dashboard, all of that good stuff. Are there some unique things about the way you're thinking about this business that say, these actually are the indicators of things really working well versus things that we maybe to spend a bit of time diving into?
2: Yes, there are. And we obviously, like all SaaS companies, instrument our product so we can see engagement. And we can see the more engaged customers are using which capabilities and functionality. So, I mean, we definitely have insights that we can look at in real time. We already are starting to get some of the early findings of the visor capabilities that we are providing. And because of that instrumentation platform or layer of our capabilities, as we start integrating with more and more third parties, the platforms and the partners will get that type of insights of adoption of what's driving value, essentially, with our with customers. And so I think it all comes down to what are customers using? What are they adopting? What's sticking? And what's ultimately providing value to the customer? And a different part of that answer is the milestones. How do we get from here to there? How do we get from... Visor just started our second year. How do we make sure, yes, this is a medium and long-term strategy, but we got to start it now. We can't wait and start it later. It'll be too late. I call it like our internal platform. So everything we designed when we launched payments powered by Stripe, we built a platform layer. We are now building an identity and access management layer. We are building an integration layer with Intuit QuickBooks. And so these are all the beginnings of what I'm going to call an internal platform. Our mobile apps interact with our data model through APIs. They're all internal right now, so we can make sure they're robust, hardened, and scalable. But... Ultimately, this will all be exposed through public APIs and public services to the ecosystem over time. And so there's the external customer value that we were sharing before, but internal milestones and kind of the journey we're going to go on from idea to year one to year two, three, four, it's build the internal platform, lay the foundation that ultimately at the end of the day, you just have to expose it publicly through APIs and UI capabilities. Fantastic. So... J.W., I want to come back to you on a question I was going
0: to ask earlier, but I skipped. You came from Ford, Ford Motor Company, and you're now running a, basically, a, a startup. What led Ford to invest to put a valuable leader like yourself in this kind of role? Because I think that's been one of the ideas that's been germinating for some time. I won't name names, but even 10 years ago in the AppExchange, there were some And customers think about how they could build a software business. with can be at the time, none of those took off. So I am just thrilled to see it happening. But why did
1: Ford take his path? Why Ford? Wow. Okay, that's a loaded question there, Avinish. For me, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. When people know that Ford owns more than 40% of the commercial vehicle market in the United States alone, you think about what would happen if this industry ever contracted or stayed stagnated, right? It needs to grow because this is a key industry for Ford. And if one out of every two truck and van out there from a commercial aspect is a Ford, it's a space that Ford has always looked after these businesses. We are effectively the tool that most businesses have already used. I think what's really important is how do we grow these businesses? Actually, this is really interesting. So this is actually the genesis of the Visor name, if you're interested. So when we were at the labs, when we were looking at the commercial businesses, which majority are smaller. And we really tried to figure out how can we help these businesses? A lot of our customers, a lot of Ford drivers and van and truck owners would say, you know, Ford, you make these vehicles, they're going to be electrified when I buy them one day. They last for at least 10 years. They're great. If you really want to help my business, you know what you can do? You can actually increase the size of the visor in the car. You know, the sun visor, the window visor. Or make it so that it expands out like a manila folder, and we're like, why, why would you do that? That's really dangerous for driving. And it was really obvious after a while. And we heard this time and time again, and it was very simple. They'd be like, look, folks, the visor is the most important part of the vehicle for our business. It is where we store all our invoices, our estimates, our quotes. It's where we have all our customer contacts. And we'll hear things like, yeah, I lose invoices all the time. When I lose it, I have lose like 12% of what I need to collect, even though I've done the work, but I'm too busy running to do this and whatnot. And it became apparent to us very quickly, oh, you're not really looking to increase the size of your visor, you need to digitize your visor, right? And this is where the visor name came from. And I think that's really important. And the other thing I would say is, Ford is an American icon for many reasons, but I think one of the most important is this idea that this organization has almost pioneered the ability to democratize technology. They pioneered the movement with the Model E and has continued to do so over and over again in the last century. I think this democratization of technology is really special. Like if you think about the auto world, how do you take a collection of cutting edge technology, both hardware and software and through a vast number of suppliers, and you create a solution that's both accessible and adoptable. You've got a steering wheel and a pedal that can move you to anywhere you want in the world. Well, besides, you know, water and and whatnot and so forth. A hundred years later, we're doing the same thing, but with technology. How do we take the best of the best parts and platforms, but deliver it through this sort of unified platform, but through an experience that's, affordable because of Ford's sheer size and scale, but adoptable and through the user experience and just make sure it's accessible to everyone as well. That's probably why Ford's involved. So first of all, I don't think we ever talked about that in
0: any conversation. So thank you for clarifying the origin of the name. And that story is mind-blowing, first of all. And two, Andrew mentioned customer centricity. This takes it a different level, right? Which is, again, Ford Motor Company, the icon with the F-150 and the company out there, this is their way of expanding the value they deliver to their customers and their clients. This is its stickiness, which is a term we use in SaaS, taken to a whole different level. I would say, now my business is running on a platform provided by the folks who sold me my transportation platform. Hey, so we've talked about all the goodness. I'm sure it's not been all easy and, and a bit of roses. So... Uh, and again, nothing confidential, no dirty secrets, but what are some of the challenges? I think you guys are pioneering an idea that others may want to probably contemplate as well. What's one or two things that have been roadblocks or challenges that you're like, hmm, wish it were different?
1: Ooh, Andrew, you want to take this one first?
0: You it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the power of the CEO, delegate. <laughs>
1: no, it was a question, Amadeesh. <laughs>
2: The most obvious obstacle or challenge we have is, like anyone, limited time and limited resources. And we know we have a ton of capabilities that we need to deliver now in our core application. Right? We went GA in September. We've had several releases. We release every four to eight weeks and upgrade. And we're trying to deliver, deliver, deliver app capabilities. Most of this talk has been talking about how we want to be a platform. Right. So, how can you be an app and a platform, have limited time and limited resources? If I've learned anything in my career, anytime you ask one or the other question in business, the answer is always both. It's always and. But that is stress and hard decisions of prioritizing our short term needs of customers today, but also not losing sight of architecturally where we want to go and strategically where we want to go in the future and not create too much tech debt or make a decision now that we're going to pay the price for later it's a daily challenge an obstacle that
1: we just have to live with yeah Andrew's got it the word is prioritization right Andrew as you say like uh, if you think about like unifying like limitless platform capabilities while trying to create the most adoptable interface that's ubiquitous to all it, it's a wonderful challenge but it's really a tricky act of prioritization I think between like offering functionality against design affordances signifiers tech debt all the above it's an interesting conversation that the entire team has a lot of dialogue with every single week, week in, week out. Yeah.
0: Those of us who have been around a bit longer, right? It's every company's challenge, right? You, can, you will never have all the resources and all the time. It's the old premise, right? You pick features, you pick time, or you pick quality. You only pick two. And I think people have learned not to compromise on quality, so you have to make those trade-offs. But having that as a framework that everybody can get their head around. And realize that you have to do that prioritization. And you know, it also applies, by the way, to the ecosystem story, right? Which is what you were saying earlier. What are the things you're not going to build because you think the partners can either do it better or faster or both while you're meeting the needs of the customer, right? So I think it's a great synthesis of what all entrepreneurs have to have to think about. So as we wrap up, and I kind of alluded to this, but I think there's a lot of folks like yourselves who are either parts of larger traditional companies or not software companies or think about spinning something out what are some of the lessons or advice you might give to someone not in the automotive industry let's say someone in a completely different category altogether but who's thinking about a software business or a recurring subscription business what are some of the things that you both have seen and done
1: that you would do again. I've me go first this time. You know, I'm glad we recognized this early on, but when you're trying to solve a problem for an industry, look at who's already solving that problem or analogous problem for analogous industries, right? Like there are many amazing platforms out there with incredible capabilities, but a lot of them are out of reach for many, many businesses due to limited resources or, you know, everything we talked about earlier. And I think... Right? we're building a platform on platforms as our effective way to provide greater accessibility, this idea of democratization, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> I'm glad we noticed that really quickly. And I feel like that is our sort of special source because there's a tendency to think that you can do things better than's out there. But we live in this incredible time now of these technology curves where everything's at our disposal, but not everyone has access to all of this. Like to really make an impact today, Find a way to get that access to the problem you're trying to solve. I mean, I think that would be it, my takeaway. Yeah, I think there's two. I think I talked briefly about this
2: earlier, but when it comes to which platform are you as a new company going to build your product and capabilities on, that's not just a technical or engineering question. Make sure that is aligned with the go-to-market strategies and the overall objectives of the company. There are lots of platforms and they all have pros and cons and they're all different sizes and shapes. And you might use multiple of these platforms, but make sure your platform decisions are aligned and informed by the go-to-market. They're not distinctly separate conversations. And the closer to day zero you do that, the better off your decision will be. And then the other is be partner first from the beginning. And don't think of the word partner as just a reseller distribution channel. That might be true. That's not wrong, or, but don't think of it solely as that. Not can just technology help you get to market faster, but partners can help you get to market faster. And the reality is, is you can't get to market fast enough and you can't sell fast enough and you can't scale fast enough. So be thoughtful about your technology stack as it relates to your go-to-market strategy and bring partners into your conversations early. Don't think that that's a year, two, three, four, five problem. It should start in the beginning. Wow. You bring tears to my eyes, Andrew. Thank you. I learned from the best Albanese. East.
0: <laughs> the fact that you, as a CTO I, I look, I've I known you, and I know all your skills, but the fact that as in a CTO role, you're thinking, go to market in the same breath, that right there, to me, is one of the key lessons, right? which is you can build the best technology out there, but if you don't figure out how to get it to market and how to get it to market iteratively, you fail. right? So I think that, to me, you know, just from that statement that you made along. That one is one of the biggest takeaways for anybody thinking about us. Well, gentlemen, it's delightful to have this conversation. I wish we could have more time. Any final thoughts from either or both of you just to, as we wrap?
1: I mean, Avanish, I really want to thank you for your time and helping us you know, share the VISA story. I think it's really important. You know, As I look at it, I'm probably going to sound like I'm saying this on repeat, but it's funny, right? So, Avanish, you, me, and Andrew, we all live in the Bay Area, and I admire everyone here, and I... I know we're pushing all this like cutting edge technology, Web3, generative AI, metaverses, so forth, right? But there is so much impact we today can make to our communities by democratizing existing technology to others. And I hope others see that. There's missions of like, you don't always have to, yes, there is one way to go with cutting edge, but let's truly help. that. There's just this huge section of the population Where to your point, Amanish, digital transformation needs to exist for everyone and everywhere through all industries. It doesn't right now. We're solving for one segment of it with field service and with scalable businesses. But there are so many others. We can really help each other. And that's kind of where my passion and focus is right now. That's not to say I love the generative AIs and I'm on ChatGPT and metaverses and Web3 and all that. But we are all in this world of like technology because we want to solve problems. And there are a lot of real problems to still solve out there.
0: Yeah, And what a great mission to have.
2: Thank you. Andrew?
1: Yeah, I think just one of the things I'm, I'll am i say relearning,
2: the opportunity is huge and the impact we can have is huge. We have a long-term strategy. Every day we are working to get it. It's hard. This is not easy to do and to get to the other side. To so celebrate the small wins with the team, there is so many amazing things that are happening every day, all day, even through all the obstacles and escalations and alarms that go off every day. Don't forget to celebrate the small wins because no matter what the path is, it's going to be a long journey to get to a lot of what we talked about. So make sure every week you celebrate the great work the team's doing. It just builds the momentum we need to get to the other side. Awesome. Fantastic. JW and Andrew
0: Albert, thank you so much for joining the Platform Journey. Fantastic conversation. Wishing you and the team just huge, huge huge amount of success.
2: Thanks for having us, Avanish.
1: Yeah, thanks, Avanish.
0: Thank you for joining us on this leg of the platform journey from Tidebark, a growth equity firm purpose-built to help companies win and scale. For more insights, subscribe to this podcast and visit us at www.tidemarkcap.com slash the platform journey.